0: Well, listen, welcome this morning. Welcome to church. Welcome here to New Life Church. It is an honor and a joy to be here with you guys, to stand before you and um, bring the Word of God to you today. I'm going to invite you um, to find 2 Timothy chapter 2, either in your Bibles, your smartphones, whatever you're using today. 2 Timothy chapter 2. I want to say hi to those who are watching, participating with us and joining us online. Thanks for taking some time and clicking in and being with us today. We're going to pick up where we left off last week, and we're in a series called Remaining Faithful to God's Way. And it's kind of a, a tag along, if you will, a reinforcement of our theme this year as a church, which is moving forward God's way. And, you know, sometimes um, living this discipleship life, this following Jesus life, there are just some. Some days and maybe some weeks that we find it uh, incredibly challenging, uh, incredibly difficult, incredibly hard. But then there are also days and, and moments and there are some weeks where, man, we feel incredibly charged, incredibly refreshed, incredibly strong. And, you know, that's the thing about this journey, about this walk in Christ, this relationship with Jesus. If you follow in the Gospels his three and a half years of ministry um, and, and how he, the ebbs and flows of where he went and what he did and how he was walking with his disciples, you realize and see that I'm sure some of those guys got on his nerves and and how some situations exhausted him. In fact, there were many moments that exhausted him. And he said, I, I have to get away. I, I have to pull away. And there were no five-star resorts to go to. It was a mountaintop, a valley, and a hill, or a, a secluded, isolated place. And he would go and just kind of catch his breath and and pray and just be refreshed in what, what his mission was and... You know, the same is with us in our life today. And, you know, moving forward God's way and, and, and figuring that out is not always easy. Um, and, and, and in, in this, uh, this series that we're, we're walking through, this second letter that is written uh, by the Apostle Paul to his uh, young son in the faith, that he mentored, he, he picked, he selected to, to follow him and to be in the ministry with him, and help helped plant him as a pastor in the church at Ephesus. He writes this very personal letter around A.D. 66, and he writes it from, from the place of prison in Rome. And it, in fact, scholars say it's probably one of his, is actually his last letter to write, and, um, and it's a very personal letter. And we covered some of this in the opening portion of last week's Message, but he, he wrote it in a very a very personal way to Timothy and 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 I said this last week and I remind us again today in this text to envision ourselves as readers of this letter as we go through this together that this letter is written to you and me written to us in a very personal way. anybody ever receive a personal letter of any kind in your life, not a bill. An enjoyable letter. How about you know, a card, a note, a, nowadays a text message uh, or, 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 or another type of you know digital digital inscription that's been sent your way. And, and, and when you read it and you got it, it probably did something to you. It probably made you feel special, made you feel uplifted. And this last week, that was one of the things that that this first part of this letter. Challenged us on was to spend time to intentionally pray for. We, and our, our takeaway was pray for one person each day this week, and then that one person that you pray for, take a moment at least once during the week to check on them. And then by the end of the week, that person you've been praying for, take a moment to encourage them. And, um, and, and I, was a, I was privileged to receive. An encouraging text on Friday, and um, as I opened it, I read it, it. It made me smile. It kind of made me laugh a little bit, but it was just perfect for what for what I needed to hear at the end of, of the week. And um, I hope some of you have been recipients and um, givers of those prayers, those check ins, those encouragements from different people around in in your life, and in, maybe here even in this church and. And, and, um, and I, I think it's kind of in, in, important to point out that that's the beginning in this letter to pray for, to check on, and to encourage one another as we go through this letter. That's the front end. That's the foundation, I believe. And that's something that we, are, we should also practice again this week. And so I, I'm going to put that same action call out to us again, and if you're a part of the church online, I want to encourage you to let's practice that again this week. Um, pick another person to pray for. Pick another person that you will take this week and pray for each day. And at some point during the week, check on them. And by the end of the week, take a moment to get them some kind of communication of encouragement their way. However, that needs to be between you and them, and uh, and it's foundational because. This part, this second part of the text here in chapter 2, uh, we're going to find out that uh, this is where Paul introduces and reminds Timothy to overcome hardships. And I must say that it, it makes it a, little, uh, a lot more um, invigorating to overcome hardships when you know someone's been praying for you. And then someone checks on you, and then they do the unthinkable. They encourage you, right? They actually encourage you. But then now Paul brings in another reinforcement on how you and I can overcome hardships, and that is through grace, through grace. And that's what I've titled today's message, Overcome Through Grace. We all have our set of hardships, and it's described as as troubles, afflictions, even evils at times, uh, suffering, all parts of hardships. Let's look here at verse one of Second Timothy two. Again, personal Timothy, my dear son, envision imagine that's you, your name there. He says, You be strong through the internet. you be strong through all the good messages that happen on Facebook right so encouraging on Facebook these days be strong through what through grace and where does that grace come from it says that grace God gives you say me that grace God gives me in all of your hard-working efforts to please God. Does it say that? No, God gives you grace through who? In Christ Jesus. Grace is such a, sometimes a funny word, sometimes a, a mysterious word. What is Grace, let the grace of God be on you. Let the grace of God be with you. In fact, Paul opens a letter to Timothy around verse chapter 1, verse 2 or 3. He says, let the grace of God and of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. And is that just, you know, just some nice gesture, just some nice way to, to open up a conversation? Grace to you, my friend. What is grace? When in, in Bible college, I had this wonderful teacher, this wonderful professor who took the word grace, and he created an acronym, and he, he he would teach us this. This is what grace is, students. And in his preaching voice, he would say, grace is, is, is God's riches at Christ's expense. <laughs> As a young college student, man, I latched onto that and tried to imitate him and not doing a good job of it today. But I just thought, whoa, where did you pull that out from, man? That is awesome. God's riches at Christ's expense. But what does that really mean? Well, when Paul and the others would write grace, the grace of the Lord, the grace of the Father be with you, here's what they meant because of the Greek meaning of the word grace. Here's what that means. The merciful kindness by which God exerts His holy influence upon your soul to turn you to Christ and to keep you in Christ, and to strengthen you in Christ, to increase in you your faith, your knowledge, your affection, and to kindle you to exercise your Christian virtues. What a definition. Of grace. So when we read, let grace be strong in the grace God gives you in Christ Jesus, Paul knows what he means, and what we need to understand what he means is he's saying, be strong in the grace, in the merciful kindness of God's divine, holy influence upon your soul to kindle you, to keep you, to strengthen you, to cause your affections for God and people to grow and for your faith and your knowledge in God to advance. God working in you is His grace by His merciful kindness. And I love that it has that meaning in the word grace because that means for you and me, God will still give us His grace even in our shortcomings, on the days we don't get it all right, on the days we fall short, on situations that don't line up to be faithful to His way. And the reason is because we're in need. If we could save ourselves, we would be saved. If we could fix our life, it would be fixed. If we could deliver ourselves, we would be delivered. If we could redeem all aspects of anything that has gone wrong in our life, it would be redeemed. But we can't. And we need to understand that if you and I are going to overcome whatever measure of hardship in this world... And in our own life, we do so not by our own strength. We do so not by our own wisdom. We do so not by our own ability. But we do it by the grace that God gives us in Christ Jesus. I've taken the liberty and created my own little acronym of grace. I'll give it to you real fast. G, Jesus is great in you. 1 John 4:4, 4, 4, greater is he who is in you than he that is in this world. Jesus is great in you. Are, Jesus is righteous in you. 2 Corinthians 5:21, God made Christ who knew no sin to be our sin so that we could be the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. A. Jesus is alive. In you. John 10:10, 10, 10, Jesus said this in the Gospel of John: the thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy, but I have come to give you life and life more abundantly. See, Jesus is the cornerstone. In you, 1 Peter 2, 4, he writes, Christ is the living cornerstone in your life. Your life can be built upon what is true, what is right, and what is perfect. E, Jesus is exalted in you. The apostle James writes this in 4.10. James 4.10, Humble yourself before the Lord, and he will exalt you in honor. And Jesus taught us, Luke writes it in Luke 14, 11. Jesus said, those who humble themselves will be exalted. There is a such thing that our souls are in need of, and that is the grace of God that is found only in Christ Jesus. You won't find grace anywhere else. You only find the divine grace in the Holy One, and that is in Jesus Christ. And that is how you and I are called to overcome. The prayer of St. Patrick, a very short part of it says this. He prayed this, Christ with me, Christ before me, Christ behind me, Christ in me, Christ when I lie down, and Christ when I rise. I think that's such a powerful prayer of understanding the full package of grace. It's Christ, Christ all in me, Christ all around me, Christ behind me, Christ before me, Christ beside me, Christ in me all the way through. There is a measure I think you and I can find and live in. We don't live in it every day. I wish I lived in it every day, but I tend to sometimes pull myself out of it out of my own trying to fix life, trying to fix problems, trying to do things out of my own ability. And it's a reminder that, man, I need Christ to fill my life every single day. His grace, His divine, holy influence in me. And that's where Paul picks up in verse 3 where he goes on and he admonishes Timothy here and you and I today, Verse 3, he says, endure suffering along with me as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. And he goes on and he tells Timothy to endure suffering, to overcome hardships as a good soldier, as an athlete, and as a hardworking farmer. What's the deal with those analogies? As a soldier, as a as an athlete, and maybe as a hard-working farmer, endure those hardships in that way. Those each of those analogies represent an enemy. That that is in direct opposition: the soldier, the world, the athlete, their flesh, the farmer. The devil. And what we have to realize first before we go a tad bit farther in this is that Jesus overcame all three of those. Jesus overcame the world, Jesus overcame the flesh, Jesus overcame the enemy. And in Jesus, if Jesus overcame those three, in Jesus, Paul says, we have grace to also overcome. You and I can also overcome in this world. You and I can also overcome our flesh. You and I can also overcome the works of the enemy that are dead set against us. Three things here. First, Jesus overcame the world, John 16, 33. I want you to look at this on the screen with me. I've pulled up the amplified version for you today. He says this, I have told you these things... So that in me, I love that, in me, in me, you may have perfect peace and confidence. Anybody live every single day of your life in perfect peace and confidence? We have, we have moments. We have some days. He says, in the world you will have tribulation and trials and distress and frustration But be of good cheer, he says. And it expounds, take courage, be confident, be certain, be undaunted. I love that part of the word of be of good cheer is to also be undaunted. How and why can we be undaunted? Because of the next part. Jesus said, because I have overcome the world I have deprived it of power to harm you and have conquered it for you. Listen up, friends. You and I don't have to overcome the world in our own self. The way you and I overcome in this world is Jesus and his grace living in us, being real in our life. Jesus overcame the world too. Jesus overcame the flesh, Hebrews 4. Verse 14, look at this with me on the screen, out of the message translation. The writer writes, Now that we know what we have, Jesus, this great high priest with ready access to God, let's not let it slip through our fingers. So we don't have a priest who is out of touch with our reality. Now he's been through weakness and testing, experienced it all, all but the sin. So let's walk right up to him, Jesus, and get what he is so ready to give to take the mercy and to accept his help. Jesus has overcome the flesh. And in Jesus, you and I can also overcome in our flesh. Three, the devil, Jesus overcame the devil. Colossians 2, 15, out of the Passion translation, it reads this. Look on the screen with me. Then Jesus made a public spectacle of all the powers and principalities of darkness, stripping away from them every weapon and all their spiritual authority and power to accuse us. And by the power of the cross, Jesus led them around as prisoners in a procession of triumph. He was not their prisoner. They were his. I love that. And love how the passion brings it alive in a fresh way. By the power of the cross. You see, when he was buried in the tomb, he led a procession around in the unseen, invisible world, taking authority over all the principalities and powers of darkness. In fact, Revelation describes that he took the keys of death, hell, and the grave meaning He's the one in charge. No one else is. Death doesn't have the final say. Hell doesn't have the final say. The grave doesn't have the final say. Affliction doesn't have the final say. Hardship doesn't have the final say. Jesus has the final word. Jesus has the final say. And He's taken all of its power away from the enemy and overcame. And so in Jesus, because He overcame, if our lives are in Christ Jesus, then you and I have that to our disposal, the life of Christ, the grace of God. And so Paul here is reminding Timothy and us as readers today, be strong in the grace that God gives you in Christ. Endure hardship as a good soldier. Let's look at that verse 4. goes on, he explains it. Soldiers don't get tied up in the affairs of civilian life for they for then they cannot please the officer who enlisted them soldiers don't get caught up in the ways of this world check out 1 John 2 with me on the screen 1 John 2:15 apostle John writes do not love this world nor the things it offers you for when you love the world you do not have the love of the father in you for the world offers Only a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see, and pride in our achievements and in our possessions. These are not from the Father, but are from this world. Verse 17, and this world is fading away. It's not always going to be here. It's not always going to sustain us. It's not always going to bring us the comfort we hope it will. Along with everything that people crave, but anyone who does what pleases God will live Forever it says, endure hardship as a good soldier because a good soldier doesn't get caught up in the affairs of civilian life. They don't get caught up in the ways of this world. They don't love this world or the things in this world. They aim to do what pleases God with their life. That mean you're going to be perfect at it. But it is the direction that your heart and your life is headed. Paul sums this up in Romans 12 too. He says something to the effect of, hey, stop conforming your life to the patterns of this world. He said, that's not who you are. He said, in fact, why don't you just be transformed by the renewing of your mind? And then you'll actually be able to show what the will of God is in your life. You see, the grace of God as a good soldier, and when we aim to endure hardship through the grace of God as a good soldier, the grace of God changes me. The grace of God changes you. You don't have to raise your hands. It's rhetorical in in, in asking. But anything in your life that you just wish you could change about yourself? I mean, in in a way that mirrors more like Christ. I'm not talking about all physical Appearance or any of that. I'm talking about internally, inside. Anything in your life that, man, I know this part of me is it's just not honoring the Lord. This action in my life that's a cycle, it's not pleasing God. You know how that can change? The grace of God. Not by our own sheer willpower. Not by our, our, our wishful thinking. But in just generally yielding our life, and yielding that whatever it is to the grace of God, and the grace of God will work in you in a way that will change you from the inside out. And so Paul says, hey, endure hardship, Timothy. You gotta endure it, man, but not out of your own ability. You endure it by the grace of God as a good soldier. You don't get caught up in the ways and the systems and the patterns of this world. Don't model your life after the way that this world is, is flowing. Don't, don't fall for that. Don't fall for the traps of this world. Don't fall for the gimmicks of this world. Don't fall for the tricks of this world. Don't fall for the get rich quick scheme, you know, getting rich quick in life. Don't, don't, don't fall for all the things that this world tries to entice you with. It's fading. It will not last you. It will not fulfill you. It will not satisfy you. It will not, let, it will not help you do the will of God for your life. Let the grace of God go to work. And when you let the grace of God go to work, the grace of God will change you from the inside out. Verse 5, he says this. He says, also, endure hardship as an athlete because athletes cannot win the prize unless they follow the rules. I don't don't know about you, but I just cannot stand to play with anybody that cheats. I I just can't. I I don't have a problem getting beat honestly in an honest way, but I cannot stand to play against somebody on any game, you name it, Goldfish to fish, to Uno to basketball to whatever, you name it. I just cheating is never fun. Never fun. And it's shortcuts. And Paul's like Listen, an athlete has to follow the rules. There are no shortcuts for those who want to win and want to win honestly. He writes about it like this in 1 Corinthians 9. Look at this on the screen with me. Verse 24. He says, don't you realize that in a race everybody runs and only one person will get the prize? So run to win. It's fine. Run to win. Play to win. Go for the gold, man. Play hard. Play good. Play play your heart out. Give it your all in that family night Uno game or Monopoly game or whatever it is. You know, You can be competitive, but you just don't cheat. All right, run to win. He says, all athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade. He says, but we do it. We're running for the eternal prize. He says, so, because it's eternal and God-given, I run with purpose in every step. I'm not just shadow boxing. I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. And otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I actually might be disqualified. So I don't want to be a fraud. I want to be honest. I want to be real. I want to be transparent. And in my vulnerability and my transparency, I have to know that I have disciplined myself to do it God's way. Sometimes honoring God and doing it His way in the, in the moment looks like you're losing. It can look like you're losing sometimes. But if you give it time and you give yourself to the process that He's working you in, you'll actually come out on top. You may not gain what you thought you would gain in the natural, but you will gain everything that you could never quite imagine that you would gain in the spiritual, the eternal. He's played by the rules, Paul says. Endure hardship, Timothy. Don't, don't be a cheater. Don't, don't be a conniver. Don't take the shortcuts as easy as it might be. It maybe save you some time, maybe it may, but it ended up causing you some heartache later on. So don't, don't, don't do that. In fact, he said this is how you need to set your life up. You need to set your life up to endure hardship by disciplining yourself. Discipline yourself. In fact, the writer of Hebrews in chapter 12, famous... Part tells us, hey, we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses who have been there, done that, and overcame. He so said, they're cheering us on. He said, so what we need to do is we need to take off every weight that holds us down and let go of every sin that continues to trip us up so that we can run with endurance the race that God has set before me. The only way you and I can run this race of life with endurance is by being willing. To discipline ourselves and to let stuff go that we no longer need to hold on to. Weights and burdens, things that we kind of can get caught up in in different times of life, things that stick to us that really we, that don't need to be, we don't need to let them stick to us. And we need to just be forgiving, walk in forgiveness, not in an offense, and don't hold bitter, but get better, you know, that kind of stuff that the Bible's full of. <laughs> Always easier said than done. Always easier said than done. But that's why I'm so thankful that God doesn't, not, he doesn't count us out after three. He doesn't count us out after three. Because if three could hold him down, then th- on the third day he would have never got back up. Jesus would have never came back to life. The power of the resurrection shows us that he is the God of so many infinite chances. But here's the thing, we don't need to exhaust his patience. We also need to pay attention and, and redeem the time that you and I have currently, this one life to live, this, this only life that you and I are called to live. And let's take advantage of it. And Paul reminds Timothy, hey, endure hardship as a good athlete. Play by the rules. Because when we, play, when we, when we endure as, a, as an athlete with the grace of God, the grace of God actually keeps us in the race that we're called to run. And I got to tell you today, No matter how hard that race gets, I want to encourage you today, no matter how challenging and difficult that race gets for you, how out of breath you feel, how wounded you feel, how taken off guard you feel, don't stop. Don't stop. Don't don't get off the path, this race that God has marked for you, that God has called you to run. You need to keep at it. You will find your second wind. And I'm prophesying this to myself. You will find your second wind. I don't know who needs to hear this today, but you will find your second wind. Don't stop. Don't quit. Don't give up short. Don't think this is all there is. Don't think the problem is greater than your God. Remind yourself your God really is greater than your problem. These are all things that you and I need to remember. And Paul's telling Timothy that today in this letter. An athlete gets tired. An athlete gets exhausted. An athlete can lose their breath. An athlete can have muscle aches. An athlete can get discouraged. An athlete can fall down. But here's the thing. Endure hardships by getting back up and finding the grace of God is like a breath of fresh air to your back, a wind in your sails. Amen? Anybody need the wind of grace at your sails today? that the challenges you've been facing, the challenge that are maybe being real fresh right now in your life, man, I don't know how I'm going to get through this. I don't know how I'm going to actually have faith for this, but let the grace of God blow in your life today. Let the grace of God rise up within you today. Let the grace of God breathe fresh inside of your spirit today and be reminded and be encouraged you're not alone in this world. You're not by yourself. You're not walking this out all by yourself because last week somebody was praying for you. Last week somebody checked on you. Last week somebody encouraged you and you did the same for somebody else. And I'm a firm believer that what a person sows, they will also reap. That's the principle of the kingdom of God. If you need it, then you need to try to give it. If you need encouragement, try to find somebody who's down and weary and dreary in your path and just go up to them and tell them, look up from where your help comes from. Your help comes from the Lord. I don't know who you are and I don't know your circumstances but I'm, I'm just not telling you a fairy tale. I'm telling you the reality of what my Bible says. And if you need it for you, try to sew it into somebody else this week as well. If you're one of the ones who sits on the sidelines and wonders, will coach ever call me? Will I ever get noticed? Will I ever get recognized? Will I ever get validated? Listen, your validation and, and your acknowledgement and your value is not in anybody personally around you. It is in God and in God alone. And let him breathe fresh grace into your heart today. Come on, athletes need to be cheered on. Soccer mom over here, getting loud and proud on the sidelines. I've been to a few games with Lindsey. And my kids play wreck, and I get a little loud and proud on the sideline. Coach has to give me the eye and say, you need to chill. <laughs> I just get wrapped up. I want to cheer them on. I want them... To win. (laughs) We all need cheering on, don't we? And I'm so thankful for whoever wrote Hebrews. Nobody really knows. There's a whole lot of different people who may have contributed to it, but they did write. Verse 1, there is a great cloud of witnesses cheering us on. You need to know there's somebody pulling for you. There is somebody rooting for you. There is somebody always in your corner. There's somebody always on your stand, on your side, the home team. Always somebody. Lastly, I got to get done. Verse 6. Endure hardship this way as a hardworking farmer. Because he says a hardworking farmer should be the first to enjoy the fruit of their labor. Soldier, athlete, farmer, endure as a hard-working farmer. You may be like me thinking, I'm not a soldier, I'm not an athlete. I know I'm not a farmer. Paul, what are you talking about? Farmers, they do what they got to do to ensure that their harvest will grow. Their crop will come up. Their crop will sprout. Farmers will do what they got to do to guard their fields, to get it watered, to de-weed it, to keep pests out of it, because it's their livelihood. It's their livelihood. They pay attention to what's in front of them. This is the way Peter writes it. Look at this with me in 1 Peter 5, coming home for a landing, verse 8. He says, stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. So stand firm against him and be strong. Be strong in your faith. And remember that your Christian brothers and sisters all over the world are going going through the same kind of suffering that you are. Stand firm by first paying attention. When we stop paying attention, bad things happen. Things get off get off the rails. They go sideways. Pay attention. And stand firm. Farmers pay attention. They stand firm for their for their crop, for their harvest. Paul writes it this way in Ephesians 6, 11. he said, put on the whole armor of God so that you can stand firm against all of the wicked schemes of the devil. The devil cheats. He lies. He does not care. He has one objective, to steal our souls. He does not want any human ever to know, to taste, to experience, to live in the grace of God. Because when you taste the grace of God, when your soul is drenched in the grace of God, it does something to you. It does something to you. And Paul reminds Timothy, "Hey, endure hardship as a hard-working farmer. Hardworking farmers stand firm, and they let the grace of God strengthen them. They realize, Timothy, church, you realize the only way you and I can stand firm is not in our own self-defense. It's not in our own offense. It's not in our own armor. It's in the armor of God. If you want to read about the armor, it's Ephesians 6, verse 10 through 18, 19. somewhere right in there. Endure hardship as a good soldier. Overcoming the world. Endure hardship as, a, as an athlete. Discipline yourself. The grace of God will keep you on the right path. And Endure as a farmer who works hard because the grace of God strengthens their resolve. Strengthens their resolve. And then this closing part, verse eight, as far as we'll go today, it says, always remember, I love that, always remember. If you forget anything else today, remember this. Jesus Christ was raised from the dead. You may get confused. Endure as a, as, a, as a what? As a who? Just remember Jesus. He was raised from the dead. And the writer goes on in Hebrews 12 too to tell us, keep your eyes on Jesus. The author of finisher of our faith who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross despising its shame and is now seated at the right hand of the throne of God the Father. He overcame. He's there. He did it. He's in victory lap. So what do we do? Remember Jesus. Keep your eyes on Jesus because in Jesus Jesus You'll find the grace to overcome hardship in your life. I'd love to pray for you today. If you don't mind, bow your heads. As I get ready to pray, I want to tell you, if if your heads are bowed, if you would like anyone to personally pray with you today, After Pastor Lindsey dismisses us here in a moment, our altars will be open. There will be leaders here to pray with you. If you're not a believer, your life isn't in Christ. We'd love to pray with you. Introduce you to Him. Let your life be embraced by His grace. If you are a follower of Christ, but you're finding life is challenging, the hardships are difficult, maybe got rocked by some news recently, We want to pray with you that you would experience the grace of God to be strong and to overcome. Lord, I thank you so much, so much in your word. But I think if we just can keep our eyes on Jesus, we're going to make it. Keep our eyes on the one who is the author and the finisher of our life, of our faith. Keeping our eyes on Jesus who overcame the cross and is seated at the right hand of your throne. Forever making intercession for us today. You want us to get and be to where you want us to be more than we even want to be there sometimes. It's in your heart, it's in your will, it's in your, mo- your motive to get us running the race. And to keep us running the race, to strengthen us, to run the race that you have set before us. So help us today, this week, keep our eyes on you, Jesus. Amen and amen.